The word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to BromleyTownChurch.com. Well, this morning we're starting a new series called Encountering Jesus. Encountering Jesus. And it's not going to be a long series, but through this series, we're going to look at a number of the encounters that different people had with Jesus as recorded in the Gospels. These encounters, they're not necessarily very complex. Some of them are very short in actual fact, and they're simple. But I'm hoping that as we look at them, then we're going to see that each of them in their own way are wonderfully transforming. And the aim is to explore the different stories and ask questions, if you like, about the stories. What were the type of people that were encountering Jesus? What were they expecting to do? Were they expecting to encounter him or not? What happened in those encounters that they had with him? And what can we learn as a people? What can we learn by looking at these stories? What can we learn for ourselves that might encourage us and help us? And I hope that even if it's like listening to these stories and you might have read them or listened to them or heard them once, never, or even a hundred times, then I hope that God will stir our faith Because he is the same God, yesterday, today, and forever. And what he has done before, he is able to do again today. And that should be an encouragement for us. So this morning we're going to, I don't know how long we're going to go for, but we'll see how we get on. A, A woman who was bent double. A woman who was bent double. So we're starting off today at Luke 13, and I'm going to read to you, a few verses from there. Luke 13, verse 10, starting at verse 10. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was teaching in a synagogue, he saw a woman who had been crippled by an evil spirit. She had been bent double for 18 years and was unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Dear woman, you are healed of your sickness. Then he touched her and instantly she could stand straight. How she praised God. But of course, you know, when Jesus is doing these things, as we often read in Scripture, there's sometimes some controversy that follows this. And this was the case in this particular healing because it had taken place on the Sabbath. And as far as many of the Jews were concerned, you were forbidden to do any work on the Sabbath. So if we read on a bit further, Luke 13, verse 14. But the leader in charge of the synagogue was indignant that Jesus had healed her on the Sabbath day. There are six days of the week for working, he said to the crowd. Come on those days to be healed, but not on the Sabbath. But the Lord replied, you hypocrites. Each of you works on the Sabbath day. Don't you untie your ox or donkey from its stall on the Sabbath and lead it out for water? This dear woman, a daughter of Abraham has been held in bondage by Satan for 18 years, isn't it right that she is released even on the Sabbath? So we've got a few points that we're going to unpack this with. First of all, identifying the problem. Identifying the problem. Here was a lady, and as we are told, she was a daughter of Abraham. Now, 
As a Jewess, as someone who was born and brought up in Israel, she was by birth anyway a daughter of Abraham. But I think as Jesus is using this term, he's using it to mean that she was actually someone of faith. She is somebody of the faith of Abraham. Abraham believed God and he saw the things of God and he pursued the things of God. And so by saying that she was a daughter of Abraham, the indication is here is a woman who is also pursuing God, who is also faithful to God, who also has a faith in God and is living with that faith. And that, I believe, is why we see her in the synagogue. And I assume, we don't know, but I assume that she's a regular attender of this synagogue. That's where she went every Sabbath. But it seemed to me, as far as the Sabbath congregation are concerned, this is, you know, I don't Mrs. Jones, or probably not Mrs. Jones, because that's not a terribly Jewish name, but whatever. This lady, known by the congregation, who is she? She's that lady who's bent double. She's that lady who always comes in like this. That's how it's known. Because we know people because of different circumstances, whether it be the color of their hair or different things about them or their jobs. We know and identify people by certain things. And I'm sure this lady was identified in the congregation as that woman who's bent. You know the one who always looks like this? So when you're talking to somebody away from the synagogue, and you say, oh, you know know so-and-so, she's like this. And everybody would have known who you were talking about Because this lady, a regular attender, always came in. She was always bent double. That's how it was. That's how she was known. You know what? If it was in the days of today, we might actually announce a medical condition over her life. We'd probably say, this lady is suffering from scoliosis. That's where your spine is bending and you end up being bent forward. We would feel sorry for her. We'd try to help her in whatever way we could, what was practical. But we would probably all accept the fact that her medical condition was she had scoliosis and that was it. Poor lady. Yes, she suffers from that. That's how the congregation were then. It's probably how we might be today. But Jesus sees things different. Jesus sees things different. Jesus looks at her and he sees a woman who has been bound for the past 18 years by Satan. That's what he sees. So you can imagine the scene. It's like this. Jesus is at the front. I presume he was at the front. Maybe he was sitting down, but he was teaching in the synagogue that morning. So just as I'm here and I'm speaking to you, and I can see across the congregation one or two and catch various people's eyes when the lights are not in my own, but I can see you out there. Jesus was like that. So he'd be looking around the congregation and he'd be teaching. And it's just like he suddenly focuses in on this woman. He sees her there and something stirs in his spirit as he does so. And so seeing her there and it's were actually catching her eye, he calls her out. Hey, you come. Come up here. So it's a bit of a stir. And you can imagine if it's in a bit of teaching, what's going to happen next? So this woman is, is walking, maybe slowly, I don't know how, but she's walking bent And she comes up to Jesus and she speaks with Jesus. Now, I need to say this. I am not saying that every condition that everybody has is a demonic condition and that you are under the oppression of Satan in one sense. But I am pointing out that in this case, that was what Jesus was saying to me. It was saying to her. He said to her, come here. He spoke to her. He encouraged her. And with one touch, he sets her free. 
Well, that's okay for Jesus, we could say, because he's the son of God. That's who he was. That's okay for him because that's the sort of thing that he is able to do. But you know what? When I read in the prophet Jeremiah, Jeremiah 33 verse 3 says, Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. How was this dear woman set free? She was set free just with a touch. Just with a touch. Jesus calls her over and he says to her, Dear woman, you are healed of your sickness. He touches her and instantly, this woman who's bent down and has been bent down and is always bent down and is always like that, suddenly straightens up. I mean, there must have been a gasp that went right across the congregation. But of course, because this is happening on a Sabbath, not only is there a gasp, but the synagogue leader is getting indignant. That is, he's enraged. I, what is happening? This mustn't happen. And you think, hang on a second. What's the matter with us? Why are our traditions, the way things are done, why should they stop somebody being set free? And you can understand why Jesus was so frustrated about this situation. It's interesting because there was no great rebuking of spirits. Come out in the name of... Well, he wouldn't have said in the name of Jesus because he was Jesus. But, <laughs> but he didn't have to say, come out. He just touched this lady and she was set free. So a deliverance did take place because beforehand, there she was bound and bent. And afterwards, she was straight and free. So a deliverance took place, but it took place just at the touch of Jesus. Notice the passion that Jesus has to set captives free. 1 John 3 verse 8 it says this, The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. To destroy the devil's work. And that's what we see Jesus doing. He came to set the captives free. He came to set this woman free. So, let's ask a couple of our questions in this situation. What can we see? What can we see here? Well, we see a woman who was in no way expecting to encounter Jesus. Now, maybe it, we've got a guest speaker this morning. It might have been that sort of thing. In the congregation, it's Jesus. And Jesus did have a notor notoriety about him. So, from that point of view, it's exciting. But what I'm trying to say to you is, she came, as it were, to church that morning, and she wasn't expecting what happened. She wasn't expecting Jesus to encounter her, and she wasn't expecting to encounter Jesus. She hadn't come with an agenda. She was just coming with the ordinariness of her life as it was, but Jesus did encounter her, and he completely set her free because of that encounter. What can we learn? Let's ask that question. What can we learn? I think we can learn this, and this is something that we all need to hear even if a situation is medically diagnosed and we accept that as normal, that's one of those things. And I'm not saying that every situation is taken away because it does seem that God does allow us to go through sicknesses and to carry burdens in different ways. But every situation, even if it's medically diagnosed, we need to understand that Jesus can set us free. Jesus can set us free. In Acts 10.38, we read this, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, 
And he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Jesus went around doing good. Jesus went around healing people. I find for myself, we, we love medical science. We appreciate all that medical science does for us. And we honestly do. Where would we be without our doctors? Like Dr. Kevin up there. Where would we be without people who are there to help us, who are there to diagnose issues, who are there to encourage us, who are there to direct us to some of the medication that we can take to alleviate issues? And let's face facts, who isn't grateful for paracetamol and ibuprofen? We, we are. We take it completely for granted, okay? Those things are a blessing and they can help us. And when we've got a headache or we've got muscle pain, they can help to relieve those things. But this story takes us to another dimension. This story is helping us all and helping us to remind ourselves of who Jesus is. Jesus came to save us from our sins. Jesus came to heal us and to bring deliverance and to set captives free and to enable people to enjoy a new life. 1 John 5, 4 says this, This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. And you know what? Sometimes we can come to church, we can go through the motions, we can read the stories, but there is an active part that needs to take place in our lives, that of faith, that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what he has done he is able to do. Just because we've read it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen. But you know what? When we look to Jesus, we trust in him and we know who he is, it can have an effect upon our lives. Let me just jump, and this is a complete jump. The woman, there was a woman that Jesus met when he was on the way with Jairus to go and heal Jairus' daughter. The story is that Jairus has come to Jesus, found Jesus, and Jairus was another synagogue ruler. He's come to Jesus and he's saying to him, please come. There's an earnestness in Jairus' spirit because he's saying, my daughter is sick and she is near to death. So an urgency is gripping him. Jesus, we need you. So he's managed to get hold of Jesus. He's found where he is. He's managed to get hold of Jesus. Now it's the case of getting Jesus to where his daughter is. And that seems to be the other side of town. Because when we read the story, what we find is that Jairus is going with Jesus and his disciples. And they're going to Jairus' house to find his daughter. But they've got to go through the busy market. They've got to go across town. So as they're going across town, they're going along streets. And the streets are full. So you can imagine the situation. Jairus is focused. We need to get there and get there quick. And Jesus is walking, but people are pressing in all around us. And there's all this scene of, of stuff that's coming against Jesus, or you're having to walk around carts, or you're having to stop because vendors are actually selling things. You're going across town, and it's busy. And suddenly, in the midst of this, and come on, we need to get there, Jesus. Hurry up. We've got to get there on time. And suddenly, Jesus stops and says, who touched me? Are you getting a giant? What's the matter with this man? What do you mean, who's touched you? We're in the middle of the market. Any one of these people around you could have touched you, Jesus. But he says, no, 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 who's touched me? I feel power has gone out of me. And so this is awkward, very awkward moment. Awkward from the point of Jesus is interrupting the journey that he's on. Awkward because he's saying, who touched me, in the middle of a scene where anybody could have touched him. But then this woman puts her hand up. It's me. It's me. And suddenly this woman is confessing, why did I touch you? I touched you. 
and I've received healing. She says, I've been bleeding for the last, I can't remember how many years. I've been to see the doctors. I've spent all of my money on the doctors. And this is what's happened. Instead of getting any better, I have got worse. In fact, it even says in Scripture, I have suffered at the hands of the doctors. Goodness knows what remedies or things they tried on her. But when she says she suffered, she suffered. But the reason she came to touch Jesus' cloak is because she believed that if she just touched the edge of his garment, she would be healed. Now, there's something about that woman's position before God. She didn't just know that Jesus had done things. She had heard about the things that Jesus had done. Yes. So maybe she'd heard about the fact that Jesus had, had healed this woman in a synagogue. Maybe he, she'd heard about this story. I don't know what the time frame is on that. It, it doesn't really matter. But the point is she's heard that Jesus has done many things. But she hasn't just heard about it and then said, oh, he is the same yesterday, today and forever. What he's done in the past, he can do now. She has come to the point to say, this man is carrying an anointing from heaven. This man has the ability. And her faith goes to a place of, if I but just touch the hem of his garment, I know I shall be healed. Now that's faith. That's faith. And one of the reasons I want to look at these stories is for that very reason. We need to, at our faith, rise up. It's no good just going around saying, at work or something saying, oh, I went to church, you know, and I believe that Jesus is a healer, and you're sick, and I'm going to pray for you now, and you're going to be healed. Now, it's good to pray for people. It is good to pray for people. But you know what? We need to come from a position of faith that God is able to do what he has said he will do. What did I say from Jeremiah 33, verse 3? Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Jesus in that setting, he could see what the matter with this woman was. The other people just accepted. Oh, she's bent double. That's the way she is. That's her life. That's her burden to bear. That's what she has to carry. I wonder what she did in the past to get that situation. All of that stuff would have been going on. But from day to day, week to week, month to month, year to year, 18 of them, she had been bent double, and all the time it was a spirit that was causing that problem. But when Jesus comes, when Jesus comes, he sees what the situation is. That scripture in Jeremiah reminds me not only to call upon him, but it tells me that he is able to let me know things that I didn't know before. And you know what? As a congregation, when it comes to others, not just ourselves, we need to be going before God and saying, God, what is the situation? What's causing that problem? Can you give me any information? Can you give me any revelation? You may have remember the story, but in the story of Daniel, Daniel, a young man who is a government official, and his boss, Nebuchadnezzar, is saying, off with everybody's head. Why? He says. Why is this happening? It's because Nebuchadnezzar has had a dream. And he wants to interpret it. Well, that's okay. Tell us the dream. Ah, that's the situation. Nebuchadnezzar's had enough of this fiddling around, telling people and then giving them an interpretation back, which might or might not be the right thing. Nebuchadnezzar's now in a position where he says, no, 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 no. All of you wise people, if you know so much, you tell me what the dream is. And then interpret it. And then we'll both know that we're operating on this higher plane. So Daniel hears about this. He goes to Nebuchadnezzar and says, give me time. 
Give me some time. He goes home and he gets his fellow flatmates together. He says, guys, we've got a prayer meeting tonight. In fact, it's not just tonight. We've got a prayer meeting because unless we find out, we're gonna, our lives are going to be ended. So they start praying. I don't know whether they were holding on to scriptures. Well, they wouldn't have had that scripture at that point of Jeremiah. But something like that being put in their spirit, call to me and I will answer you. And I will show you great and unsearchable things you do not know. But through the night as they were praying, Daniel suddenly, and I don't know how it happens or what it was like, but Daniel came into a vision where he actually received the dream. So it's like he's got like a, a technicolor picture that's coming before him and it's like a film is being played and he is now seeing the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had. He understands the dream. And if you read this in Daniel, I don't know, what is it, Daniel 2 or 3, you can read the story for yourself. Suddenly he starts praising God, thank you, Lord, because only you can do this. Only you can do this. There's no point in us going around the church saying, like, oh, you've got a bit of a sickness. Demon, in the name of Jesus, come out. If we do not know that that's what it is. But if we receive revelation, because he has showed us, then there's no limit to what the people of God can't do. The woman in the synagogue, she came in that morning bent. She came in, hopefully, to have a good time, maybe to listen to a good message, to hear the word of, of Jehovah and to be encouraged. But she went out walking straight, being set free because she had an encounter with Jesus. Folks, we need encounters with Jesus. We need encounters with Jesus. It's not just a case of like, I pitched up to church and I'm hoping that something's going to happen. We need encounters with Jesus because we're put, deliberately putting ourselves in a place where we're seeing him, where we're meeting with him, where we're listening to him, where we're finding out information from him. There's no point of thinking like, I can generate all of this out of myself. Out of myself, I can do nothing. But in Christ, I can do all things. That's what the word of God says. So let's be encouraged with this story. Sorry, we went a little bit sideways there, but that's good news. The woman who was bent double, and we'll just do one more today. Tax collector up a tree. Tax collector up a tree. I don't know how many tax collectors we see up trees, but let's see what the story says. Luke 19, the first 10 verses. Let me read them to you. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in that region, and he'd become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. Now when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He's gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, 
I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which are lost, those who are lost. Okay, a few points here. Zacchaeus had interest but no expectation. Zacchaeus had interest but no expectation. Zacchaeus obviously had an interest in meeting Jesus. Again, what had he heard about Jesus? He heard stories, he'd heard other people talking about it, he'd had interest, something was stirring in his heart. He'd heard something about Jesus and he had an interest to see Jesus. An interest, really nothing more than that. There was no further expectation. He just wanted to see Jesus. Problem, though, for Zacchaeus was his height. He was a little man. Nothing wrong in that. That's just what he was. He was just a short guy. But the problem for his, being a short guy, he couldn't see over the others. So he wanted to see Jesus, but he recognized that actually because of his height, he couldn't see over the crowds. So great, it's some. Why on earth don't I just climb up a tree? I know that Jesus is going this way because I can see them coming. They've got to pass this way because he would have known the town. So knowing Jericho, knowing the town, he runs ahead, climbs up a sycamore tree, and he gets up in the tree. So now he doesn't have to look up. He's now got a different viewpoint. He's now ready to look down, to look down on Jesus and just to see him because that's what he wants. He wants to see Jesus. He had an interest in seeing Jesus, but he had no particular expectation of anything that was going to happen. Meanwhile, we've got Jesus. Jesus is coming into Jericho with his disciples. He's walking through. Again, there's crowds of people milling around, some talking, some shouting. Who knows what's going on? You can imagine the sort of scene. But Jesus had come to Jericho. Jesus, though, he, had ex- he did have an expectation and he had interest. He eventually comes to the, tr- the tree where Zacchaeus is And Jesus now looks up. Actually, he wanted to see Jesus come at him, and he's calling out his name. But it's not just that. It's not like, oh, your name's Zacchaeus. Ha ha! You're up a tree. Come down because I'm coming to your house. I've come to meet with you. Imagine how Zacchaeus felt at that moment. It's just, it says in the passage that he went back to his home and he's, he's full of joy. It's exciting. This is beyond his expectation. The chief tax collector that everybody knows, he's now climbing down a tree and this Jesus of Nazareth, the holy man, is walking with him back to his house. It says the people were indignant. They're upset. Frustrated. What the heck is Jesus doing? Doesn't he know who this is? This guy, he colludes with the Romans. It's, it's just coming out of them. Their frustration love is that Jesus loves Zacchaeus. I want you to hear this. Jesus to come to him. And there's no recording that, oh, he knew that today I'm going to meet this guy. Jesus loves you. And you know what? You may be feeling filthy. You may be feeling wretched. You feel Jesus knows because he created you. He loves you. What people are saying. He's prepared to come and stand alongside you. He's prepared to come and walk with you. He's prepared to come back to your home and eat with you. Because that's exactly what he did with Zacchaeus. He came back to his home. 
And it says that that was an encounter. We don't know much about the meal. We don't know what happened. I don't know whether other people were there. I'm, I'm not, it, look, all we know is that he went back and Jesus took such an interest in Zacchaeus that he went back to him. He spent time with him. He talked with him. He probably shared a meal with him. They had time together. He encountered Zacchaeus in a real way. And during that encounter, something changed. Something completely changed. Incidentally, I should just mention this. There's no recording. Jesus having said to Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. There's no recording there that Zacchaeus then said, everything's such a mess. Why didn't I tidy up? There's no actual mention of that. Okay, I just want to pop that in because sometimes, I don't know why, sometimes that's the sort of thoughts that happens to us. We worry about these things. Jesus isn't worried about what's going on around you. Jesus is worried and concerned for you. And again, can we just hear what the scriptures are telling us? They're telling us that he really does care. And it shows in the story. And if we hear nothing else this morning, can we hear these things so that our faith does rise? Hey, this Jesus, maybe he could help me. Maybe he could change the circumstances of my life. Maybe he could bring healing to me. Because I think those things are possible. Because I know the love that he has for us. What we see is that the encounter that he had with Zacchaeus was transformational. Absolutely transformational. Because having encountered him, talked, whatever they've done, at some point in that conversation, Zacchaeus comes before Jesus. And he says, okay, hands up. If I've taken anything from anybody, I'm giving it back. If I've stolen anything from anybody, I'm repaying it four times over. It's like, according to the Jewish laws, those sense of what's laid down as, as official recompense for wrong, he's going through it, he's showing. And then Jesus says to him this phrase again that we've heard already today, that this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. What is Jewish? He's been born like that. He is a son of Abraham. This is what I've been saying about the woman before. That's what he is. No, no, no. He's not saying that. He's saying, I now see that faith is arising in him. You see, many people in this country say they're Christians. That's like saying, well, you're a son of Abraham. You've been born after a certain thing. I'm in England, so I'm a Christian. Listen, you are a Christian when you accept that Jesus Christ came to forgive you for your sin. And that doesn't just make you a Christian. It starts to invite him in to bring his change. But you need to walk with him. You need to follow him. And what we see with Zacchaeus is now, here were the signs accompanying what was happening inside. There was an outworking of what had gone into him. There was an outworking because now there's that, Jesus has come and now look what's happening to me. I'm making a change. If I've defrauded anybody, I'm repaying it. If I've done anything wrong, it's being sorted out. I'm now living differently. Why? Because when Jesus comes and he encounters, things have to change. Because we're moving from an atmosphere of being on earth to an atmosphere of now being connected directly to heaven. And when heaven comes to earth, who knows what can happen. So we want to ask us a few quick questions here. What can we see? We see a short man who had no expectation of meeting Jesus, just wanted to catch sight of him. What can we learn? We can learn that encounters with Jesus can be completely transformational. 
We can learn that Jesus is the lover of our souls and the lifter of our heads. We can learn that Jesus knows us, cares for us, and is for us. We can know that even though we may feel overlooked, undervalued, and lost, that Jesus is still looking for us. Are we prepared to seek after Jesus? As we go through in the next couple of weeks, looking at a few more of these stories, I just want our faith, our faith to rise in who he is, our ability. Maybe we're facing situations that seem way beyond, medical situations, things that people have said, this is impossible, whatever it may be. And I'm not proclaiming here that I am the one who can change things, but I do know a man for whom it is possible. And we want to raise our faith, raise our confidence in God. But we don't do it by by acting out of our enthusiasm. We do it by acting out of the Holy Spirit's direction and what the Holy Spirit can do within us and through us. All things are possible for him who believes, is what the Word of God says. So let's be encouraged and let's take strength from God at what he can do and what he wants to do in our lives. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com.